Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for, for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, thanks very much, uh, Susan, for reading that. And, uh, well, I'm going to start off with a little activity. There's two tables. I don't know why I'm over here. I'll move this in a minute. But uh, two tables, and uh, it's not a quiz. It's not a competition. There's no prize. Sorry, you might get a biscuit at the back. That's all I'm offering. But just look at, if you've got the Bible there, uh, just, just so you've got a Bible there in front of you, just open it up again, 1145. And um, a question for you to discuss around tables, looking at verses 1 to 4. It's all on the same page, which is nice for us. What are the repeated words or themes in there what what can you spot i'll give you two or three minutes just to talk about that amongst yourselves on your tables what are the repeated words and ideas and themes in those first four verses okay off you go okay it might not be two or three minutes i wasn't timing timing what what go on call out be be bold uh what what are the repeated kind of ideas that you could see there. Anybody? Worldly. Mere human. Where do you, where, should we just have a look? Where's the word worldly? Verse 1, halfway through the verse, uh, live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. There's another, verse 3, you are still worldly. Uh, right at the end of the verse, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Yeah. Anything else where it says worldly? Yeah, wor worldly. I'll write, I'll write that down. Worldly. Good. Right. Yes, I'll take that as a right answer. Tick. Sorry? Oh, there's one biscuit. Yes. Can anyone? Does anybody else? That's family fortunes. Yeah. Do you remember family fortunes? What's our top answer? Worldly. Yes, excellent. And you win a prize, a holiday to, uh, to Jarrow. Right, okay, fantastic. Okay, so uh, worldly. And it, what, you said humans as well, Gillian. What make humans? Where do you, where do you see that idea? Uh, I think you're right. Verse 4. Not mere human beings at the end of verse 4. Did you say verse 3, Heather? Yes, mere humans. Well, I suppose they are humans. But uh, yeah, okay. Uh, humans, yeah, okay. 
No change. Thank you, Christine. Where, is there a verse? Or, it doesn't have to be if you can't remember where it is. But. Yeah, they're still worldly. They're still babies, yeah. So the idea of um, no progress or not ready, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give you a biscuit at the end of the service. Yeah, thank you. So, those, yes, those are the main ideas in verses 1 to 4. I think that's right. That there's something wrong with them, isn't there, it seems. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Would you like to read this? You're a baby. You're, you're, you're blood. Now, what is that contrasted to? There's one word. Uh, look at verse 1. What is the contrast to being worldly? Can you see that? There's, there's a, um, the word but is one of these things that you, know, you, you, could, say, uh, you could say all kinds of things about you. It's very cold outside, but at least it's sunny. It's a contrast, isn't it? What's the contrast between being worldly in verse 1? Being spiritual, right. So we've got this uh, spirit over here. I don't know. I should have made columns, really. Let's put spirit here. Okay. Notice, if you look at the uh, end of chapter 2, you can see that parallel, oh, basically down that column, Page 1145 on the right-hand side. That, all of that column. Just notice how many times. Can you just see the word spirit appearing again and again and again? In verse 10. Uh, sorry, middle of verse 10. Spirit. The spirit searches all things. Verse 11. The spirit of God. In the middle of verse 12. The spirit who is from God. Verse 13. Halfway through the verse. Not human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirits, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirits, and the spirit of God. The spirit. There's, there's a lot of spirits in that chapter, and the, and then we we get into this chapter three, where he starts addressing them, not as people who are of the spirit. That's interesting, isn't it? That's sober reading. So if, for people who might say, well, you know, we're Christian. That's what they would have been saying, these guys. We're Christians. We've got the Holy Spirit. And Paul's bigged up this idea of the Spirit, Spirit, Spirit in chapter 2. And then he says, ah, but you're not like that. Hmm. Sober thinking. Let me say a prayer, and then we'll dig into this and see where it goes. Father God, as we look at this letter that was written a long time ago to Christians in Corinth, which is in Greece, people who thought they were very spiritual. Help us to learn from what Paul says to them. Help us to not be complacent, thinking we are very spiritual people, perhaps because we know Jesus and we know we might have the Holy Spirit, but to measure up ourselves with this passage and wonder maybe we're still being worldly, still being human, and we're not really living with the Spirit. And maybe we'll be encouraged, maybe we're not living this way. May we be encouraged if that is the case. Amen. Okay, well, the title for this, I'm just going to put, leave that over there, because I might refer to it in a second. But the title we came up for this was uh, Making Church Grow. And, and the question is, how do you do that? How do you do that? There are churches in this diocese that are called resource churches, and they are churches that want to grow and send out people into other churches to make them grow. And one of the things the diocese is doing, and it's not just this diocese in Durham Diocese, the Church of England across the whole nation, is uh, advertising for people, people who are going to come and make these churches grow. And on those uh, job descriptions, it says we need people with the right gifts. We need dynamic people. We need young people. We need 
Trendy people, not some of these old crusty people uh, like me. I'm getting a bit old in some ways. We need people who are good working with children and young people, connecting with a generation who we don't see in church very much. We need people who are enthusiastic, people who can explain things, who can organise things, who can run things, who are dynamic. We need people who are good at modern music. That's what we need. We need all these people. And if we get the right people, the right things will happen. We'll, we'll grow these churches and we'll send people out and we'll start some more churches that will grow and it'll be fine. And yes, the church is declining, but we'll turn it around if we only had the right people. Now, of course, there is a lot of truth in all of that because we believe people have gifts given by God to build up the church. But none of those are the answers to what really makes church grow. It's very easy to actually grow a church. It's easy to destroy a church, yes, but it's actually not that hard to grow a church. You just need lots of fun stuff and vibrant stuff. And it's easy to do that. But often you can gather a crowd and they just go away again. And the question is, how do you have growth that is lasting? And there, how do you have genuine spiritual growth as opposed to what might not be genuine spiritual growth? That's why Paul's writing 1 Corinthians. The main theme is about genuine spiritual, uh, spirituality. And what does it mean for growing a church and for growing as Christians? Well, the first thing he says there is he throws it in in chapter 3. The question we ask ourselves, are we grown-up Christians? Are we grown-up Christians? The Corinthian church thought they were spiritually great. They had the spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy. We'll see that later on in the book. And they thought they were impressive. We're impressive people. We've got, we've got the spirit. We've got dynamism. I can't say it properly. And we've got impressive preachers. In fact, they've got really good preachers coming to visit. Some of them were mentioned in chapter 1. And they might think, we're a model church. We're in a, a dynamic city. Corinth was a happening place. And it had happening people. But Paul then gives them that devastating assessment. Didn't you see it? Didn't you? Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirits, but as people who are still worldly. There it is, worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not re yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. We all know little infants need milk. They can't handle the solids. They can't eat and chew on that kind of stuff yet. And the question Paul throws at us is, are we spiritual infants? Are we still living on spiritual Milk. Because Paul wants us to be grown up, to be growing, developing. Some children, don't they, they ask to be treated like a grown up. Maybe you've asked that when you were little. I know I did. And the problem is, children are not grown up. They might think they know it all. And these Christians might think they know it all. Paul, we know about the cross. And we want to move from Sesame Street, the ABCs of the Christian faith, to move from the cross, the basics. And we want to go on to grown up, advanced material. We've heard the basic message that you talked about in chapter 1 and 2, the message of the cross. But the problem is this, you don't grow up as a Christian by moving away from the cross. You don't grow up that way. In fact, if you move from the cross and the gospel, the good news, actually you're staying as a spiritual infant. So how can we tell if we're grown up? If we're physically grown up, it takes time, doesn't it? You get to 18 or 21 or whatever you say it is. Or it's not just abilities. You might say, I've got qualifications, I've got skills, I've done the equivalent of an apprenticeship. But it's about attitude, an attitude that only comes from sticking with the gospel. Verse 3, Paul says this, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? That, that's the diagnostic, that's the test. 
How are you getting on with each other? Are you quarreling? Are you fighting? Are you falling out all the time? Not just falling out once and then coming back together, but that's the state of play for the church. It's a quarrelsome church. Isn't that worldly? See, these Christians live like people who don't know the gospel. If you believe Christ died for your sins, you know you are completely unworthy and yet also completely loved by God. And you stop looking down on others, don't you? The cross tells you, don't look down on other people. Don't think you're better than other people. Yes, you might disagree, but they're not a bad person. They're not a worse person. Love them as God loved you. And you're content with what God gives you in Christ because it's worth infinitely more than anything in this life. So you might quarrel about how the tea and the coffee are done and what kind of biscuits there are. You might quarrel about where the furniture is and what colour the banners are and all the rest of it and how many candles you have. You can quarrel about those things, but they matter nothing compared to knowing Christ and having eternal life. Don't be worldly. Have you forgotten the cross? Mm -hmm. Have you forgotten the gospel and what it's worth? And if we fight and quarrel and seek to get the better of each other, Paul says that is living as if you never knew Christ. You're still on spiritual milk. You still need to hear that gospel message that says don't live that way. Of course we need to keep hearing that message. But we're not developing. We're stuck on the basics if we're still living that way. Are we grown up Christians? Well, how do we know? Looking at our life. But also, grown up Christians know it's all about God, not about ourselves. You see, the worldly thing to do is to focus on human strength and power. That is what humans do, isn't it? We, we big up our celebrities and say, well, let's. The worldly thing says, I can find the answer in me. That's what they teach kids in schools, I think, these days. I'm not sure Heather's not doing this. But in schools, the answers are inside you. Aspire, believe, connect. That's one local school says that. And it's good, it's good stuff. But often the answers come to you as in sense of, it's inside you. You can do it. You can change the world. We grown-ups who are teaching you, we're messing it up. Look at the environment. You can change the world. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. That's the mantra of the day, isn't it? And the Christian gospel says, the answer is not inside you. Actually, that's where the problem is. The answer's outside of you. The answer's in Christ. So the pressure's not on you. It's all on Christ. And Paul says, it's not about you either. It's about God. Verse 3, you're still worldly since there's jealousy quarreling among you. You're not worldly and you're not acting like humans. Verse 4, for one says, I follow Paul, and if I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? These people have their favourite teachers. We're following, the one, we're following Paul, he's the best preacher. Or Apollos, yet yeah, he's the one, he, he's the main guy. He's the preacher we look forward to. He's the one we come to yeah, when, he's at, when he's preaching. He's the one, he, we come. We don't come when it's the other guy. We come for them. What do you want? I'm not sure about preaching here in this church, but I, I, I love Piper, Packer, Rico Tice. These are the people. This person's speaking at Spring Harvest this year. You've got to come and listen to them. And we can fall into that. We can make church a personality cult. Or maybe it's, I like that church because I like the way that preacher does it, that pastor does it. I've heard it both ways. People who've said they think... Uh, I'm better than David. Do you know? I'm sorry, David's in the room. I'm sorry, David. People have said that to me. And I've kind of shook my head saying, maybe in some ways, but I'm sure David was better than many others. And some have said to me, David wouldn't have done it that way. I said, well, it's not about me. It's not about David. It's about, who is it about? It's about Christ, isn't it? It's about God that we know in Christ Jesus. 
And I'm saying that to myself. It's not about leaders ultimately, it's about God. We need leaders who point to Jesus. And we need to be focused not on the human beings so much, but on Christ. Because it is Christ, it is God who makes the church grow, isn't it? Verse 5, Paul, I'm going to have to go over the page here. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. So he goes on. Paul, Apollos, David, Ian, any of us, we're all just servants. Each given a task, each with different strengths. Paul says he planted, Apollos was the one who watered it, but who made it grow? It was God, only God. Verse 7, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, it's God who makes things grow. David's in the room, I don't want to embarrass him, but it was not David who made St. John's grow, it was God. He was used, of course, blessed, we trust, but that's the same with any of us. God uses people but it's all down to God because it all belongs to God, does it? Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters of one purpose, they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are fellow workers in God's service and you are God's field, God's building. The church belongs to God. It's not my church, it's not your church, it's God's church fundamentally. We're part of it. We, it's ours in the sense that we own it collectively, but it belongs to God. His name is stitched in it. This belongs to me. This is precious to me. And woe betide anybody who messes around with that or gets that wrong. If we mean the church I belong to, that's great. We should all belong to a church family. I hope St. John's is a church you feel you can belong to. But we shouldn't mean my church does things the way I want them to happen. That's about my agenda, isn't it? That is true for me as a minister. Do you know, there's lots of things that happen in St. John's that are not the way I want them to happen. You might be surprised to hear that. Surely it all happens Ian's way. It's Ian's, it's Ian's fault. I don't like the way it happens. It's Ian, chances are I don't like it that way either. But it's not my church. It's our church that belongs to God. It's got to be done under him. And what we need to do is know that we are fellow workers in verse 9 in God's service, building up his building or servicing and bearing fruit in his fields. Do you remember school uh, planting seeds in class? You put them in the soil and you just leave it. And over time, slowly perhaps, the shoots start to appear and there's growth. And, and what did you do? Okay, you planted it, you might have watered it, but did you make it grow, really? Did you say, come on, try harder? Or did you dig it up? and stretch it out a bit or anything like that and pull the, start pulling the stalk a bit more and sticking some more leaves on so that it got more, had more chlorophyll to make it grow. No. Yes, you tended it. But it is God who makes things grow. And the church is God's project. It belongs to him, God's people. And we need to be faithfully working alongside with God, sowing his seed, his message, and then he makes it grow. Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, the kingdom of God is a mystery in many ways. The farmer sows the seed, this is the parable, and it just grows. The farmer comes back at harvest time and there's a harvest. That's how God works. It is his to grow. Well, what does that mean for us? I want you to discuss that uh, for a couple of minutes round tables. What does it mean? that It's not ours. It's not about humanity. It's about God's work and the spirit over there on that 
uh, right-hand side as you look at it. What might that mean for us? Just, just discuss that for a couple of minutes. Just some thoughts that I had here. Let's not act as if we own the church. Let's remember that. I have to remember it. We all need to remember it, don't we? We are servants. Servants of one another. Isn't that right? It's having a servant-hearted attitude to church. It's not about your way or my way, even. Um, yeah. We need to keep telling ourselves it's Jesus's. If we do this, we won't have as many quarrels. I'm not sure we're full of quarrels. But sometimes you can have a quarrel inside your head and it never gets vocalized, can't you? You can just be grumpy on the inside without, without really falling out. You just sort of, and then eventually somebody explodes. The quarrels have been building up and the lid's gone off the top. Um, but this will help us to have that attitude of, actually, it's okay. I don't need to be upset about that. Um, if it's about the way things are done. If it's about something deeply spiritual, like the truth of the gospel, then we might want to talk about that and have a discussion and maybe even a disagreement about it. But uh, When things go well in church, who do we give the glory to? It's God. Yeah. So musicians might do amazing. Well, not that many at the moment, but well, yeah. they might be amazing for a while. But the glory's God's, isn't it? Um, I hope when we, uh, the 10.30 service, often there's a clap at the end of the service. I hope that claps for the Lord Jesus and not for anyone else. And to encourage the little ones, but it's actually, it's about God, isn't it? And when someone preaches really well, um, yeah, not this week, but uh, it, the glory to God, isn't it? Often uh, it's learning to say thank you. Uh, sometimes it's good to thank people uh, in the right measure, but, but you can say, I'm really thankful to God for what you said. I'm really thankful for, for the fact that God's, you know, you're actually giving the glory to God then. And you're not also puffing up the, the person who did that thing, whether it was a bit of work in the church or preach or lead the children or whatever it is, or the singing. I thank God for that. Um, and, and that keeps that person encouraged as well as not proud. Yeah. And also when things don't go so well, because people fail, there's a bit of an abuse scandal going through the church. You might have picked that up if you haven't, you haven't, but it's there. I'm very much aware of it. Church leaders have abused um, people. This is about bullying. It's going around a lot at the moment, stuff that's come out, people being heavy-handed. Then that can rock our faith. I, thought, I, was, I, I quite like that person. They seem to teach so many things. They seem to be a good leader, and then they've done this, and it's coming out, and people are just people. And it's sad, and there's issues there, but God's still God, and he's still good, even when human beings fail. Isn't that right? If you say, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow who, it's not, my faith's about them, when that person's faith might turn out to be not quite what it seemed to be, God's still God, I follow Christ, and uh, we can be assured of that. Just some thoughts there. Well, let me say some prayers now and then we're going to sing a song. Father God, we thank you that the church belongs to you and we pray that you'd help us to be stewards of your church here at St. John's or other churches that we've been part of or still involved in. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be servant-hearted in all the ways we relate to your, your church, your, your universal worldwide church, people who love Christ. And uh, help us to have that attitude where we are using your service and to you be the glory that you might make things grow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.